0: Loved ones, I'd like to draw your attention this morning to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 18 this morning. And if you're using a copy of the scripture under the seat in front of you, it's on page 858. While you're turning to 1 Peter 3, let me just simply say by way of introduction, we begin a new series this morning. If you're visiting Redeemer, our typical faction is expository preaching. Ek, the Greek word meaning out, to exit, to come out of. Expository preaching is to draw out of the text the truths that are in that particular text and apply those truths to our life by the power of the Spirit. Juxtaposed to that is a topical type sermon or a topical sermon that ends up being a textual sermon. Topical simply meaning that there is a a topic that we're going to address and we're looking at various passages in the scripture that address that particular topic. That is not our usual practice. We usually begin at the beginning of a book and we move straight through to the end of the book. But for the next eight weeks, I want us to look at topically and textually uh, different verses throughout scripture that call for us as the children of God to share our faith, to share the gospel. We have come from our study in Isaiah in Advent and our study of Isaiah in Lent, reminded that Jesus came for one purpose. He was born for that one purpose and that purpose was to die for our sin to set us free. And in the passage that we're about to read, we are reminded of that, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. We've all embraced that. We all say that we... Believe that having come through the Advent and the Lenten season, and now are we actually doing that? Are we putting into practice what it is that we say that we believe by sharing our faith? The summary of our philosophy of ministry here is found on the front of your bulletin grace upon grace, receiving as a body and responding as believers. I think we're real good at the receiving as a body part. I'm not so certain that we're real good at the responding. As believers part. So, with that in mind, then let's give our full attention to the first text among eight, by way of introduction, 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Hear now the word of God. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord... Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it's the Lord's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Father in heaven, we pause now with our Bibles open, asking that you would clear our minds from any distraction, that your Spirit would speak to us through your word, these powerful truths that you give to us, Open our eyes now to behold wonderful things from your holy law and by the power of your spirit apply it to our lives that we might be fishers of men, sharing the hope that's within us at all times. Do it for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Please friends, be seated. Well, I don't know if I've told you this lately, but I know I've told it to you before. I love fly fishing. I, uh, I'm sure that surprises as many of you because I don't use many illustrations and I've actually got two of them today on fly fishing. This past week, the things at the Blue River, I, I go to the Blue River up in Tishomingo quite often during the winter months because they stock the river there. But come March the 1st they stop stocking in the river and the fish, the water gets too warm, there are no fish in the river so I've got to find another place to fish and driving all the way to Colorado on Friday is just not doable. So this past week, I decided I'd call a couple of my buddies, and we would try to go to the lower mountain fork in Broken Bow, and we would have a a day trip, just a Friday fishing trip. So on Monday of this past week, I began texting my two friends, trying to put a plan together, and that text turned into several texts. After the end of the day, sitting out on my back porch, one text turned into several texts. I've never seen three grown men act like three little girls, Uh, and take a three-minute conversation and turn it into, you know, an hour plus. And that was just Monday. Then on Tuesday, one of my buddies had the bright idea, Hey, let's camp out. Let's go go Thursday night after work. We can set up camp and we can fish all day Friday. So then that started a whole other round of texts on Tuesday. And I've never seen three grown men act like three little girls. And then on Wednesday, the other buddy said, Oh, that would be great, but you know, do we really want to go all the way up there for just one night? Let's, stay, let's camp two nights. Let's stay, let's stay Thursday night and Friday night. We can fish Friday and Saturday. So I'm telling Jennifer all of these things. You know, I, I know you're going to be at market all day on Saturday, so we're going to extend our time staying a little bit longer. I'm going to be gone Thursday night and Friday, and then on Thursday or Wednesday it changed plans all over again. Oh, guys, I forgot I have a doctor's appointment at this, one of my buddies said. And then I've got a delivery coming for a new lens for my camera. And it it could be from 3 to 7 p.m. on Thursday. So I can't go on Thursday. So I just sent a text back and said, guys, stop it. You're wearing me out. Stop this. Let's just go Friday. The, the, The plan that we started on Monday, that's the plan for tomorrow. We'll meet tomorrow morning, one day of fishing. So I got all my stuff out, put it in the entryway. Jennifer came in and said, oh, I see you're going to camp, uh, you're going to stay the night. I thought you were going back to a one-day fishing trip. I said, no, I'm just going for the one day. What is all this stuff? She said, what's all this stuff? That looks like you're going to be gone for two or three days. I said, oh, no, that's just my fly fishing stuff. That's just my bag that's got my, my fishing poles and my waders and my vest and, and, my, and my walking stick. It's got all my stuff in it. Leave it alone. Don't touch that bag. So the next morning, we got up, and we did our one-day trip. Wow, I I could, I just, when I got in face-to-face with the guys, I said, you guys, y'all are a bunch of women, my goodness, I've never seen anything like this, that y'all would do this back and forth and back and forth, all of this texting, just to come back to the, back to the same, the the original plan that we're just going to go on Friday." And then I remembered the words of Jesus Christ to the Apostle Peter and to his brother Andrew. Come, follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. And I thought to myself, I spent more time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday getting ready for one day of trout fishing than I spent becoming a fisher of men. In speaking of the hope that I have in the Gospel. If I had been graded even on the curve by a loving Savior this past week I would add an F minus amount of time that I spent on real fishing compared to fishing for souls for speaking of the hope that I have. (laughs) Friends there are a lot of exciting things taking place at Redeemer Church. If you're a visitor here or you're new here The Lord is active, the Spirit is present, great and exciting things are happening. The Lord is good to His people here. I think that's because we are faithful to His Word, we're faithful in preaching His Word, we're faithful in putting ourselves under the instruction of His Word. We receive grace upon grace like no other body that I've ever seen, a healthy, vibrant church. But what I want us to focus on for the next few weeks, my friends, is the last half of our pithy little statement, and that is responding as believers. Because while we have all of these wonderful things taking place, while we have all these great things happening inside the context of our body, the call that we have in this particular passage and the seven others that we're going to look at over the next seven weeks is that we're to be giving that gospel away in every situation. That we're always to be ready speaking the hope that we have. We're always to be ready, I'm gonna put it like this, to gossip the gospel. Eight lessons I want us to work through to be challenged in that. Today we begin by way of introduction, but next week we start there is work to be done, followed by there is a commandment to be followed, there is guaranteed success. There is only one way, there is only one name, the name of Jesus Christ by which mankind can be saved. There is power to do this work through the work of the Holy Spirit. There is idle destruction, what we can expect if we don't do it, this idle, slow destruction among our body. And then lastly, there is personal growth. There is own growth in sanctification and joy and excitement in our life as we are always being willing and ready to speak of the hope that we have in Jesus. We started the Advent season back at Christmas looking at Isaiah's Advent prophecies. Why did Jesus Christ have to come? Why was he born this tiny babe in Bethlehem? Then we moved during the Lenten season, starting with Ash Wednesday, that now we are in the Easter season following Easter Sunday last week. Why did Jesus have to die? And we looked at Isaiah's prophecies of the suffering servant, that he came to suffer and die for us. We've looked, Isaiah tells us why he came and what he came to do. And Peter summarizes that in verse 18. Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to draw us back into relationship, to reconcile us back to our Heavenly Father. There is why we speak of the hope that we have, friends. Listen, if you're here today and you know that your sins have truly been forgiven, like we spent Advent and Lent talking about, If you're here today and you know the fullness of the forgiveness of sin, because Jesus died for that sin to make you righteous, you who were once dead in sin, now alive to all that is good, who once was in darkness and loved the darkness more than the light, who gives you now the light of life, who once was unreconciled, now is reconciled only by the finished work of Christ, then your life ought to display in word and deed always a willingness, an excitement, a desire to speak of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. That's what Peter tells us here. Now let me spend just a little bit of time by way of introduction because, again, our typical fashion is we move verse by verse through a book. And we're not going to do that. We're looking at only these verses. The one word summary of the book of 1 Peter is suffering suffering that one word describes the entire epistle all of what peter is trying to communicate to the children of god suffering he begins that way in uh, this way in first uh, peter chapter 1 that he's talking to god's elect Those that were once dead in their sin, who once lived in darkness, who were once unreconciled, you've now been reconciled. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He called you to be himself. He gave you this living hope, he goes on to say. The living hope that Jesus is in us because he has died for us, which drives us to the middle of chapter one. We're supposed to now do something in response to that. We're supposed to be holy because he is holy. We live a holy life. He repeats the same thing in chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Once you were nobody, but now you're somebody, and you're somebody in Jesus Christ. He is your master. He is your savior. And then we get to chapter 3. In the the middle of chapter 3, he says where we started today. Finally, uh, finally, well, in verse 8, finally all of you live in harmony with one another because of the suffering that is going to come as a response to that. If you actually live out your faith the way you are supposed to and commanded to live out your faith, if you actually are always prepared and willing and ready to speak of the hope that you have, and you're living that out, the holy life that God has commanded you to live, then what does Peter say? Then you can expect suffering. Perhaps this is what has been taking place. Peter is saying, "You You were so good at it when there wasn't any suffering. You were so good at always being willing and and ready. You were always filled with the joy of the Lord, living out the gospel in word and deed until, until things got hard and difficult and then suddenly you became silent. But that's when you should be speaking of the hope, always being willing and ready above all others. It's easy to do it when things are good. It's difficult to do it when you're experiencing suffering and pain. But that's when we're called to do it even more so, Peter goes on to say. He says, always, middle of verse 15, if you've closed your Bible, open it back up again. Always be prepared, not just when things are good, but at all times. If the gospel has invaded your life by the power of the Spirit, there is no time in life when we are not eager to do good and to speak of the hope that we have. So look what Peter does. Verse 12, the verse before our text starts, look what he says. He says, the eyes and the ears are on the righteous. The eyes and ears are attentive to the righteous ones. But look what he says at the end of verse 12, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You have this hope that the eyes and the ears of the Lord are on you, attentive to you if you are a child of the living King. But you also have this hope that his face is against, opposed to those who are apart from saving grace. And so that's why Peter then goes on to say in verse 13, Who then, the then is not present in our English translation, it is there in Greek, Who then is going to harm you if you are zealous, if you are eager... The word from which we get our word zealous. Who among you then is going to harm you if you are zealous to do good, to live out this gospel? Speak of it when times are good, but speak of it when times are bad, because even when times are bad, they can't harm you, Peter says. But even if you should suffer, he said, well, no, what? Wait a minute, Peter. I thought you just said the eyes and the ears of the Lord were attentive to me, that I wasn't going to experience any harm. But now you say, but if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. That's what he says, verse 15. In verse 17, he says, it's actually the will of the Lord. So in good times and in bad, we have the absolute certainty of knowing that the eyes and the ears, Of the Lord Jesus Christ are attentive to us, those who are his people that he has claimed, those for whom, in verse 18, he has died for their sin to make them righteous. So Peter says now, be zealous. Be zealous to always be willing and ready, not just in good times but in bad. And that's why he focuses on suffering in his letter, that we are always to be willing and ready and prepared to speak of the hope that we have. What is the hope? The forgiveness of sin. The life with life with the Savior forever and forever. Now friends, let me say this too as I wrap up the introduction part. Don't forget who's writing this. Who's writing? This is Peter. This is Peter. Poor Peter. He was born with a silver foot in his mouth. You remember that from our beloved past governor that talked about our uh, one of our presidents. But isn't it true of Peter? This is the guy who denied Jesus three times, who said, I don't know the guy. I told you I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy, he says. Three times he denied the Savior. He was an apostle. He was an eyewitness. That's what apostle means. He saw firsthand the miracles that Jesus Christ came to perform. And yet he would stand by a fire and deny the Savior three times. Oh, beloved, that gives me joy. That gives me great joy, and it ought to give you that too. Because listen, this sermon series for the next eight weeks, focusing on gossiping the gospel, is not not done to beat us up, to browbeat us. To say shame on you. You've been bad, bad, bad. Get out there and be good, good, good. You can't. It's the power of the Spirit alive and well within you. The hope that you have is the Apostle Peter himself did what we do. But there is the forgiveness of sin through genuine repentance when we understand what the scriptures are telling us. So the sharing of the gospel, the gossiping of the gospel is not about a notch on your belt it's not about a check mark that you've done something and if you don't check mark you haven't done something it is about speaking of the hope that we have that our sins have truly been forgiven And we are experiencing that grace upon grace when we realize our disobedience and we confess that sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He did it for the apostle and he'll do it for you. He does it for me. His eyes and ears are attentive to people like you and me. So, why don't we do it then? Why are we not always willing and ready to speak of the hope that we have? Taking a collection of different things that I read this week, let me simply just give you four that summarize it. There are plenty more. Four reasons why I think we don't speak of the hope we have. First, it's a theological reason. Because some people actually do not know that they are supposed to speak of the hope that they have. I'm not certain that that describes anybody in here. I would hope not. I would hope that under the ministry of the preaching of the word faithfully here through all of your pastors, you know what is required of you. But if we think about the church of Jesus Christ at large, there are some who have the mindset that the sharing of the gospel is my job, the pastor's job, not the laity's job. But the same author that gives us this text here, you will remember, says this. He gave some to be prophets, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists and some to be pastor-teachers. Me. Why? For the building up of the saints. Why? So that they can do the work of ministry. That's what Peter says. So our job, Pastor Belanger and Miller and my job, is to build up the saints to do the work of ministry. I want to confess to you this morning, not using the bully pulpit as a confessional, I don't think I've been very good at that. I think I've been very, very good at the receiving grace upon grace part. Reminding you that it's all about grace. It's all about grace that we've been saved. It's now the responding to that grace that I want to focus on because I confess to you I spend more time here than I do there. So for theological reasons, we're going to understand that the scriptures command us to do what it is that we're to do. Secondly, it's a matter of obedience. Not, I don't know what to do, but I don't want to do it. I just simply do not want to do it. May I remind you, if that describes you, that we will all give an account for the things that we do in our life. Your sins have been paid for, yes, but there is still a day of judgment. There is still a time when we will stand before our Savior who bore the cross for us, who has already forgiven us to give an account. I wouldn't want to be standing close. If That was my response. I have this deep a passion for you, Savior. Thank you that you died for my sins but I don't really want to do what you command me to do. It's a matter of obedience. If he's the master and we're the servants, we do what the master tells us to do. Thirdly, not something that I don't know that I'm supposed to do or don't want to do, but I am fearful to do. I'm afraid to do that. Number three, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. I'm afraid they're going to make fun of me. They're going to call me all kinds of names, they're going to ostracize me and I'm going to be separate. If that describes you, can I just simply draw your attention back to the beginning of our text, the end of verse 12 and all of 13 and 14, where Peter says, you have nothing to fear. They cannot take away your resurrection. Salvation was not ours to win, it is not ours to lose. And we certainly don't lose it by being faithful in speaking, always being willing and ready to speak of the hope that we have. Lastly, by way of why we don't do what we're commanded to do. Because I don't know that I'm supposed to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm afraid of doing it. And fourthly, I don't know how to do it. That's why we have evangelism explosion here. Marty, Marty Fagan would love to speak with you about taking a class. Many of you have been through that class. But let me say this. EE, as wonderful as it is, and I use the EE outline often... Not as much as I prepare for fishing for trout. (laughs) Uh, But I use the EE outline often. But you have something that nobody else in this room has. You have what's called a testimony. The Lord Jesus Christ brought you savingly to himself one way, your way. And it is that testimony that you speak freely to others, always being willing and ready. You may not have all the answers, And you know what? I don't know is a really good answer because it shows the world who wants to call us hypocrites that we don't have all of the answers. And all of those fancy Christianized words, those terms that you try to use, try to look a little bit better thinking that makes someone else think that they're really impressed with you, that you don't even really know what the meaning of them is. Stop. Stop. You have a story. A story about how Christ wooed you to himself himself And verse 18, died for your sin once for all to make you righteous. Always being willing. All right, so now we're to our text. (laughs) I promise we're going to go a lot faster now. I want you to look at something for me, my friends. Verse 15, 16. 15 and 16 is one sentence in Greek. It's three sentences in our English translation. In Greek, it's written like this. But in your hearts always set apart Christ as Lord, comma, always being prepared to give an answer, comma. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, comma, but this do this with gentleness and respect, comma, keeping clear a clear conscience, comma, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, period. It's one sentence. Peter was just as bad as Paul. One sentence for this reason, friends, and I point you to that because of this. There is one point that Paul or Peter is making. He is giving us actually six ways that we are to be involved in always being willing to speak of the hope we have. One sentence to say in good times and even in bad times, here is what we are to be involved in. We share our faith first and foremost, verse 15, in your hearts. It involves your heart. If you are here today, my friends, this is the difference. If you're a lover of the Lord Jesus, this is the difference between infatuation and love. And aren't many of us here today so delighted that that one that we were once infatuated with is not the very one who is sitting right next to us this morning as our wife. Right? Yeah? Because we all have these infatuations that don't involve the heart. Now, that's not to say that in your high school sweetheart couldn't be your love of your life. Mine is. Mine is. But I had some infatuations before, the, before that. But it's a difference between the effect of the heart. When the heart is actually truly pierced, then you fall deeply in love with that person. And that's what Peter is saying. If you understand that Jesus died for your sins, this involves your heart, your very core. It's not just something you know here, it's something that you experience here, and you can't help but speak of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So it's a difference between love and infatuation. If we don't speak of the hope that we have, perhaps we're just infatuated with the Savior instead of genuinely in love with the Savior and the work that He's done for us. Number one, in your hearts. Number two, in your hearts, set apart set apart, Christ as Lord. It's a matter of our humility. A matter of our hearts, but also a matter of our humility. This is what is called in theological dis- discussions as the lordship controversy. That I will have Jesus as my savior. I know I can't die for my sin, so I'll have Jesus as my savior, but I will not have him as my lord. He can save me from my sin, but I'm going to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to be the master of my life. I'm going to do what I want to do, even though he died for my sin. The Bible knows nothing of that, beloved. Nothing of that at all. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here. In your hearts, the core of your being that has actually been pierced, in the core core of your being, your heart set apart Christ as Lord, Messiah as Master, if we literally translated it. Set apart Jesus as your Messiah, your Savior, and your Lord, your Master, the Master of your life. It's a matter of humility. He is King, not you. And so we do what He commands us to do. Number three, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, always being prepared. Always. It's a matter of time. It takes time and effort. All that time I spent Texting back and forth, which is not a bad thing. I'm not suggesting that. But equal time. Give some, some kind of attention, some kind of effort to getting to know your neighbors across the street and next door, the people in the next cubicle next to you, so that you have a desire and a willingness to speak of the hope. It takes time and it takes effort. Always be prepared. But in your heart set apart Christ. Always be prepared To give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason. Number four, it involves our knowledge. The word reason there literally translated is from the, the word we get our word logical. It is logical for us. But knowledge simply means this. I'm about studying God's word. I can say I don't know the answer to your question. But don't leave it there. We are to become students of the word, to have a knowledge of what it is that God has done. He reveals himself to us right here by word and spirit. And so, because our hearts have been pierced, we want to get to know this guy better, this relationship deeper and stronger. So it is about, about a matter of logic, a matter of knowledge. Study the scripture. You have the promise that he is, his ear, his eye is attentive to you. Number five, in your heart set apart Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who speaks. Ask for the reason. Ask you for the reason for your hope. Your hope. Your hope better be what's found in verse 18. And that is that Jesus Christ has died for your sin. He made you righteous, once being unrighteous. And so your hope is eternal life they ought to see this hope in you even in times of struggle and suffering. They ought to see, the world ought to see this hope within you to the point that they come to you to say, I don't understand it. See why it's even so much more important that we speak of the hope in times of suffering as it is when times are good? Your life is cratering. Your life is falling down around you and yet you are living with this this peace that I cannot describe. Could you describe that to me? Now make no mistake, I'm not saying we're just simply waiting on people to come to us to give them the hope. In good times and in bad, they ought to be drawn to us because my heart has been truly changed by this gospel, by this Savior that I love, who is my Lord and my Master, that I'm giving my full attention to as I study and read His word because of this hope that He has given to me. And then lastly, my friends, for the purpose of now, always being prepared to give an answer, the reason for the hope, And we do it with gentleness and respect. It involves our affection. We don't lord over others, we don't browbeat others. That's not reformed! Isn't that what we say oftentimes? Out of a deep affection, with gentleness and respect, we simply speak of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that hope? Verse 18, Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. And you can know that too. You can know the saving favor of a Savior who died for you. We simply speak our story, the hope that we have in how Jesus died for me. So here's our involvement, my friends. Six points in one verse. It involves our heart, our humility, our time, our knowledge, our hope, and our affection. In February, this past couple of months ago, I celebrated my 15th anniversary here at Redeemer, and you gave me a wonderful Cabela's gift card. You you know where I'm going with this? I told you there were two illustrations. Jennifer's mother lives on South Padre Island. She's been down there for 30 years. She owns a family business down there. And so we frequent South Padre Island quite often to see her mother. And for Jennifer now even more so to begin to participate in the business down there. And when I'm down there, I, I, I used to be a mountain guy. I mean, look at me. <laughs> I used to be a mountain guy who just absolutely loved the mountains, you know, because of, of fly fishing. The, the trout are in, in the rivers in, in, in Colorado. But you know what I found out? There are trout in the ocean. Did you know that? Speckled trout in the ocean. And so I took that little gift card and I went to Cabela's and I bought me an eight weight saltwater reel and rod for bone fishing, red fishing, and yes, speckled trout fishing when I am down in South Padre. I've got a bag as big now for the saltwater stuff as I have a bag (laughs) for the fresh water uh, stuff. Why? Because if I'm going to go down to the island, Jennifer can work all she wants, I'm going fishing. And when I'm here on Friday and the water is cold, I'm going fishing. Whether I'm here or whether I'm there, I'm fly fishing. And that's what Peter is saying. Whether you are here or whether you were there, wherever it may be, Always be prepared to speak of the hope. Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus says. At all times, always being willing, ready, and prepared. So friends, let's go fishing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a joy it is to hear your gospel over and over and over again. The gospel of how you saved us. You lovingly saved us, dying for our sins to make we who are unrighteous, righteous in your sight. Good people don't go to heaven. Perfect people go to heaven. And we are made perfect only by the righteousness of Christ, the very one who shed his blood for us, died for that sin to set us free. And now what you command of us, Father, these broken clay vessels that hold this wonderful treasure to go into the world and always be willing and ready be prepared to speak of the hope that we have. Would you encourage us, enable us to do that this week as you savingly draw men, women, and children to yourself through feeble people such as us, sinful people such as us, that your kingdom might go forth. Please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Friends, if you're seated on the inside row, grab that black pad, please, and print all of the information requested there. One note I want to add to you. If you're not getting the email, weekly emails and you'd like to receive them, simply give us your email address. We'll add you to the list if you desire. Pass that pad down so that everybody has, a record, or gives, has an opportunity to give us a record of their attendance. Our ushers are coming to collect our morning offering. It's our opportunity to now to give to this, the work of this kingdom, this gospel that is going forth from this place in all of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we remain seated. To sing hymn number 444, O Zion Haste, your mission high fulfilling. Let's remain seated and sing 444.